guys welcome back and it is tuesday you guys know how i feel about tuesday <laughs> if you don't go ahead and listen to my previous episode from last tuesday and you will fully understand the sentiments all right my heater is howling right now so i don't know if you could hear that in the background noise but i'm gonna move to the living room because sometimes my heater just really likes attention and i'm trying to just like be in my bedroom right now because it's late when i'm recording this and it just does not want me to get comfortable so i'm gonna leave let me just relocate i'm gonna take my devo and move over to the sofa where of course the heater in my living room is also howling so i'm not about to go to the kitchen you guys i'm sorry if you hear <laughs> um just weird hissing sounds um this is in an old apartment i live in so you know, it's not like those luxury modern apartments and this is what I'm dealing with. But hey, I told you I'm moving out of this place in two months. So just like wish me luck and I'm sorry, just deal with the hissing and the howling sound, please. <laughs> it's going to get really bad soon. I just know it. Okay, anyway, um, today we are continuing to talk about the types of fools that were discussed in the verse from Proverbs one twenty two. So... If you've been following up, then you're probably very familiar with the verse. But for the fourth time, here we go. All right. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? We've talked about the mocker. We've talked about the simple. And today we're talking about the obstinate. And I remember the first time I heard of that word, it was in an SAT class in 10th grade. So that's a random throwback. Um, here we go. The common, sorry, the most common word used for fools in Proverbs is the Hebrew. Oh my God, here we go again. Like just words I have no idea how to pronounce. K-E-C-I-Y-L. How would you pronounce it? Kassil? Kessel? Okay, um, if there are any like Hebrew speaking listeners by any chance, like probably not, like I can't imagine, <laughs> um, but you know, let me know, please. The obstinate, the main mark of fools is that they are opinionated, wise in their own eyes, unable to learn knowledge or be corrected. Um, <laughs> I am laughing from like my own convictions it's it's like a laughter of conviction sort of a thing it's so funny because these are basically descriptions of how my sister when we get into fights always describe me and sometimes like she definitely is like over exaggerating and sometimes she's right like to some degree i am a stubborn person like i'm gonna admit that and i am comfortable doing that because hello like this is about being honest on this podcast here okay and also i think there are also positives for being an obstinate person that you can take accountability for so i just think like you know no matter what kind of character trait you have whether it is stubborn or obstinate or anything else like as long as you can as you live out your life continue to enhance and elevate the positive aspects of that personality and then just lessen or reduce the negative aspects of that personality then like you know what i mean like you're living in wisdom Ooh, okay that's the topic okay all right 
Anyway, let's continue. Child psychologist Jerome Kagan discovered that children are born with one of three basic temperaments that determine how they instinctively respond to difficulty. Some respond with anxiety and withdrawal, some with aggression and assertive action, and some with optimism and an effort to win by being social and cordial. So I would be very curious to know when you guys were little children, how did you guys respond when you were stressed out at school from, you know, like the kid next to you stealing your fluffy eraser when you weren't looking? Actually, what in the world? Fluffy eraser? Um, okay, I don't know. Like, you know, those bendable rulers? I remember those were super in. So like, yeah, like, how would you have <laughs> reacted, you know? Would you have been the one to just get super nervous, awkward, and like not speak up and just kind of let the bully have it? <laughs> or would you have been the one to like get in that bully's face and like start screaming, like saying, give it back, whatever, you know, you're standing up for yourself? Or I don't know, like the last option here, some with optimism and effort to win through being social and cordial. Like I'm a... I guess, like, think from a child's context, that would mean, hey, Jimmy, that's my pencil or that's my ruler. Can I have it back? <laughs> I cannot imagine a child doing that. But you know what? Maybe I have just lost faith in children. You know, maybe they do that. I don't know. Anyway, each default works well in some situations. But Kagan argued that unless parents intervene, children's natural temperament will dominate and they won't learn how to act wisely in situations in which their habitual response is inappropriate or even deadly. So, yeah, I am wholeheartedly agreeing here because I think the role of parents is incredibly huge. That can never be, you know, overstated, I think. And it's true. I think children, like, they need guidance. They need discipline. And if, you know, it's basically, like, the parents' role to do that, right? Like, if not teachers, and that's why teachers are so important in this world because some parents are very much negligent. And, like, who literally is their next best adult role model to show them how to control your emotions, how to behave and function in this world correctly? teachers right and then y'all know how teachers get treated okay <laughs> so tangent tangent but like i can go off about this okay i'm sorry like i told you i warned you guys that my heater hisses like this unnecessarily so i apologize um i'll try to stay focused as long as you guys can all right um yeah you know with any sort of bad habits that children start manifesting when they're young parents have this responsibility and duty honestly to like nip it in the bud like before this becomes anything bigger when they're in teenagers when they're older right like that's part of the reason why like honestly i am low-key as much as excited as yeah much as i am excited like kind of nervous about having children in the future because like Yes, I believe in all these strategies that I can use to discipline my children and teach them the right ways and whatever. But I know that like that child is still his or her own person. And I cannot control every aspect of how my child's behavior and like orientation turns out. So yeah, sometimes I have that fear. But, you know, no need to put a down payment on <laughs> worries. Okay, 
So, in other words, we are naturally obstinate and unwise. All right, so that's kind of a grand statement. So, let's read that again, you guys. <laughs> in other words, we are naturally obstinate and unwise. Modern culture insists that we should let children be themselves, but what feels most natural to us might be disastrous. And even though right now we are talking about specifically children in this excerpt on the verse, I think we need to think about what was just said in an adult context too, like for us, right? Like we know, we've heard, right? Us millennials, us Gen Z people, right? Um, all these like pithy sayings and mantras that go around, like be yourself, like don't let anybody shape you. Don't let anybody tell you who you are. Like, you know who you are, you know how to act, you know? But I think what is not considered in seemingly empowering phrases like that is okay so what if our like natural self is evil right <laughs> what if our natural self is selfish our natural self is you know you fill in the blank right then does that kind of phrase seem to be beneficial for us adults even not just children probably not right and i remember i genuinely struggled with this you guys where you know for all well not all, never say all, <laughs> but for a lot of years in my life, like growing up as a child and as a teenager, I had a lot of insecurities about myself. And because of that, when I would, you know, in my early adult to adult life, hear phrases going around on social media and honestly, just everywhere else you go, just like, hey, Sarah, be yourself. You know, don't let anybody influence how you act how you behave how you talk how you walk like whatnot and I was like you know like not actually but like in the inside crying like you know what that's true like you know people have been telling me what to do all my life people have been like influencing me on how to behave and how to act a certain way so that I'm cool and accepted and feel worthy and da 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 but then I realized, okay, I started really, really acting like myself. And that version of myself um, wasn't always well-received, number one. And it wasn't always beneficial to the world or for myself. Because as much as I have positive qualities about myself, I also have very much negative qualities. And so when I'm manifesting certain qualities you know the negative ones okay just for the sake of this conversation when i'm manifesting those so openly with abandon and just kind of whenever and however i want then is that truly something that a wise person would do it makes me think it made me think and then i reevaluated i was like okay you know what that empowering phrase of like hey be yourself and don't let nobody tell you like what to do and who to be um, it served me for a while in terms of just like regaining my confidence in who I am. But then I think, yeah, absolutely. In certain relationships, it had devastating effect because, you know, here I was flaunting <laughs> some of these like bad qualities about myself. Like this is who I am, like accept me or leave. Right. And obviously unwise move, like we shouldn't do that. But yeah, the modern culture, that is the message here, you know, Um and same thing goes for children, right? So anyway, let's go back to this. Okay, I'm sorry. This is, this is when the heater gets bad. Okay, 
To become wise, the anxious must learn to be bolder, the bold to be cautious, and the chronically sunny to be more thoughtful. Only in Jesus do we see one who does not habitually assert or withdraw, but always responds appropriately. I'm going to read those last two sentences again. They seem pretty significant. Okay, sorry. My book fell. This episode feels like a mess. <laughs> um, to become wise, the anxious must learn to be bolder, the bold to be cautious, and the chronically sunny to be more thoughtful. So I guess the message here is that no matter what kind of people we are in terms of our temperament, personality, our biological wiring, whatever it is, um, we can always seek like a way to enhance ourselves and you know, identify a weak point in, you know, that might be also a strength, but then always look to the other side. Um, I don't know if that's making sense, but, you know, like basically take a weak point that you have, okay, and look to the opposite um, quality and go for that, like try to improve on that area. I hope that makes sense. Um, only in Jesus do we see one who does not habitually assert or withdraw, but always responds appropriately. So when we focus our eyes on Jesus and we set our you know, heart intentions on how Jesus would you know, desire for us to act in any situation, only in that kind of of a condition, can we respond to all the happenings in this life appropriately and in perfect wisdom? So in conclusion, when you want to execute decisions and whatnot with perfect wisdom, lean on Jesus. That seems to be the point here. Rather than acting rashly on the left aisle to the right aisle, um, where you find the middle ground is leaning on Jesus. And that obviously sounds super vague. I understand even as I'm saying it out loud, I recognize that, but I'm going to try to break it down. And I think that's going to be partially some of the struggle for me doing some of my devos out loud because when I'm having my own personal time with God, when I say phrases and whatnot that are vague, I don't need to necessarily expound on them because on the inside, like in my head, I know what that means. There's no need for elaboration, but not everybody thinks in the same way that I do. And not everything that is very obvious and clear to me, not needing further explanation is the same case for everybody. So I might have to like catch myself in those moments and elaborate, you know, when it comes to that point. So yes, I guess that's a little note to self said out loud. The question for today is where are you most opinionated and least open to new ideas or criticism? All right. Well, this list about like everything in life, um, I am a very opinionated person. And I think that comes from uh, really liking learning information and always um, you know, and with a lot of information, it kind of forces you to kind of take a side, you know? Um, and I think, you know, 
I try to be intentional in certain opinions I hold. So I guess passion for my opinion just kind of gets very naturally generated. But while I think, I hope you guys are getting your mental gears turning as well so that we are thinking out loud together i mean i have opinions on so many things like where do i even start (laughs) for the sake of the episode i shall choose one but i have a lot of opinions i think when it comes to parent-child relationship dynamic because i went through a certain history of that myself i have a lot of opinions on how a parent should treat the child and how the child should respond and how that changes throughout the child's life, you know? Like, for me, I guess I'll take myself as an example. Um, The way that I needed my parents, my mom and dad both, to receive me and teach me and guide me and learn about me is different, was different when I was age 3, age 8, age 15, age 21, age 27, which is what I am now. But guess what? Like, I think I had a lot of issues with my parents because they did not evolve in any way that they treated me throughout the years. And obviously, that's an exaggeration because, of course, like, no matter what kind of a relationship you have, you're going to treat a three-year-old and a 27-year-old very differently. But you guys get the point, right? When it comes to, like, the foundational, I guess, um, belief and outlook or perspective that my parents had on who I am to them, um, they were also obstinate in their ways. I think a lot of the ways that they treated me and thought about me were influenced by culture, our Korean Asian culture. And so that dynamic meant no matter what age, even though I could be five or 25, I have this duty, very important duty to obey them and honor them and think of their priorities before mine and, you know, adopt their values to make them mine and not it's not that all of the things i just listed were you know word for word communicated to me by my parents but they were implied you know um and you know i guess one particular incident is when i tried to move out when i first entertained the idea of moving out of my parents place because i just you know wanted to be independent and autonomous um My parents had a very hard time with it. And like, especially my mom, she would not let me go. She, it was, you know, a month before I was about to move into this new apartment that I had found, you know, the one that's like hissing in the background right now. (laughs) Um, When it was that period, that month was really hard because honestly, every day she would be like, cancel the lease, cancel the contract. I'm like, I can't just cancel the contract what are you talking about and i'm and i'm going like what do you mean but then at the end of every conversation she would throw in this is like not how you're supposed to respond as a daughter you know you have to think about what your parents want like they know what's best for you and you have to whether you understand it or not obey right and i was like "Mm, yeah no i don't think so like that could have applied when i was younger when i was 
dependent on them like financially and emotionally but that is no longer the case i was arguing constantly you guys have to let me go i just the more you ask me to stay the more i i want to go because the more i feel like a prisoner you know like can i make my own decision for once right but yeah in my um asian american immigrant parents minds we were never gonna see eye to eye um and (laughs) i talked about yesterday how i'm moving back in with them i caved but you know that's okay that's like a whole nother subject um and yeah i think like i'm i'm opinionated about to answer the question parents like letting go of their kids when it's time and that's going to look different for every family based on their cultural context and even maybe their religious context as well but I have you know a certain thought on that like treat your child the you know at the appropriate age I think a lot of immigrant kids have trauma on this topic as well and oh my gosh if you guys have trauma stories do tell (laughs) because I've aired them out as much as I can on this podcast. You guys have all mine. And so can I just like not feel alone? (laughs) Anyway, um, I'd love to know, like, what is something that you guys are very opinionated about? And yeah, I'm particularly not open to new ideas on this topic or criticism because I'm pretty set. (laughs) But I guess we're challenged to think, right? All right, so the prayer for today, you guys, is, Father, I see Jesus moving through life without a wrong word or false step. Okay, I don't think I could genuinely pray that because I don't see that. And it's not like I don't believe that. I think that is what Jesus does. He moves through people's lives without a wrong word or a false step because Jesus does not make mistakes. That I believe, but it's hard for me to pray this with all my heart because I can't think of actual examples. But I guess those of you who notice Jesus moving through your life without wrong word or false step, that's amazing. I hope that, you know, you have a wonderful time (laughs) thanking Jesus out loud through this opportunity. He knows exactly when to be quiet and when to speak, when to correct and when to affirm, when to affirm. Um, okay, again, this is something that I believe in my head, but I can't truly say I believe in my heart because I have not personally experienced this. And I guess, you know, this is an example, you guys, of how sometimes reading the Bible is like this, where like you read something and you're like in your head, yeah, that sounds good or that makes sense. But then it takes, you know, your own encounter with God to truly believe something, to truly understand and mean something if you were to pray it out loud. So if you are in that place, then join me. I don't think this is a bad place to be necessarily. I just think you and I have not had that moment with Jesus yet where we notice when Jesus is speaking to us and when he's you know, intentionally staying quiet and when he corrects and affirm, it's, you know, a bit of a gray area for me. So maybe instead of us praying that, we can say, God, help us 
notice Jesus doing that in our lives, right? All right, continuing with the prayer, how I want to be like him. Yes, <laughs> please begin to recreate his wisdom in me through your word and spirit. Amen. Please begin to recreate his wisdom in me through your word and spirit. Amen. Yeah, that last part, I can absolutely pray with genuine authenticity because I would love to have the wisdom of Jesus inside me. I don't know what that would look like. Don't have a vision <laughs> per se, but I guess as we go through life and we can constantly and consistently ask God to give us something, of course, with the right intentions, right? Um, he will give that to us. And it says like specifically through word and spirit. So that requires us taking action to you guys. Like we can't just be like, oh, I pray this simple prayer. Give me wisdom, the kind of wisdom that Jesus had and Jesus is... Um, life whatever and in jesus name i pray amen and like end it there and then nothing happens you know it says through words so that's encouraging us you know god will give us wisdom through the bible that's his book right he's the author of the bible he wrote that book and if the and if our god is the god of wisdom and we're trying to seek wisdom then we better read the book that the wisest person in the universe wrote so that's the bible and as we discussed this in earlier episodes, the Bible might be something difficult to read for some of us. And I am 100% there. But I guess, you know, even though in the beginning it might be hard, even though in the beginning it might feel like, oh my gosh, I just have to like drudge through the drudgery. I think the reward will come and I can kind of speak on this with this random anecdote that I had. So in my senior year of college, this was like June of 2014. It was two months before I went off to college and I had a mentor at that time and he challenged me to read the entirety of New Testament before I went off to college. And I did meet that goal. Um, here's the thing. Here's a little background. So he wanted me to do this in about a month and a half, but I totally procrastinated because, you know, June, that's when like a whole bunch of senior events at school was happening, like prom and like all these parties and all these like senior year, like picnics and whatever. And I was just like, you know what? Like, I'll get it done. I've never read the entire Bible or like the entirety of New or Old Testament until that point. So I just had no idea that it would take so long. And I was like, month and a half, like I could definitely do that. And then what do you know? I had one week left. And then my mentor was like, Sarah, did you start? And I was like, nope. <laughs> and then I was like, and then he seemed like shocked and disappointed. And I was like, wait, why are you so shocked? Like, I will get it done. Okay. And then once I started, oh my gosh, I actually realized I totally underestimated. Like, I'm never going to finish this. So I literally, I kid you not, I went to Barnes & Noble the minute it opened and stayed there until the minute it closed from Monday to Sunday. This was a seven-day adventure because I took advantage of the month and a half that I had. <laughs> and I ate my breakfast there, lunch there dinner there you know because Barnes has like cafe food and then like it was 
next to a mall so i was able to check out some other cafes and eat there too and sometimes i would pack so anyway unnecessary details so i took those seven days to go from matthew to revelation covering one third of the bible and i just read it straight through and that was the first time me having ever done anything close remotely close to reading the whole bible and how much do you think i actually understood (laughs) like to be generous, maybe 30-40%, right? Because it's not like the Bible uses ridiculously hard SAT-like words. You know, the vocabulary is actually pretty simple. I think some theological and doctrinal doctrinal terms and phrases might be, but it's not like the Bible is littered with those either. So it's just like a few chapters where you'll come across those. And then the rest is just plain English. It's just like the way that the plain English is used because we're talking like how people used to talk in the Bible times. A lot of things seem really obscure and just confusing because nobody talks like that, you know? (laughs) Um, But I was like, Sarah, don't give up. Don't give up. Like you're supposed to do this in one week. You can do it. And I would just like want to pull my hair out reading through certain chapters and books in the bible that didn't make sense to me but can i just tell you like when i got to revelations i and finished the whole like new testament i almost cried and why did i cry you ask okay because i had this feeling for the first time in my life that the bible is sweet as honey and that probably sounds mad weird to you if you're if you've never read the bible before or stepped up you know your foot into a church but the bible is described as being sweet as honey i think that comes from the book of psalm or like oh my gosh maybe proverbs i don't know maybe we'll come across it but then i understood what that meant for the first time and i was brought to tears because even though i did not comprehend the comprehension rate very low um that was very low but i I guess it was the Holy Spirit working in me. I think even if you don't, just honestly, genuinely understand everything that is being said in the Bible, because this text carries power, right? And it does not make sense in a secular sense, but in the in the spiritual context, in the spiritual realm, like the there is power in this book. It's not just black ink on white paper those really thin paper (laughs) that rip like if you're like not treating it with the most utmost delicate care um this carries weight these words and i guess i was humbled at that moment and i felt myself wanting to change i felt my heart like shift a little bit and It was just to fixate my eyes on God and rely on him and love him with all my heart. And that was honestly such a timely, valuable moment for me before going off to college because college was, I mean, I went to a pretty liberal college. So I remember in a lot of my humanities classes, uh, there would be some ideas talked about that kind of went against my beliefs and I was like I could have been very easily swayed but 
I remember, you know, this experience of feeling grounded in the word for the first time and feeling confident in the word of God. And I was like, yeah, nothing can shake me. I had this confidence in me and I can't describe it in any other way. This basically in conclusion, all right, the Bible carries power. It could be boring. It could be very confusing to the point it like frustrates you and wants to make you like just chuck it to the side, right? Been there. Um, but that's how God communicates wisdom to us. And I'm just like a living anecdote. Okay. So that's just one anecdote that was kind of long, but I felt very, you know, passion to share that with you. So I hope that served you in some way and just kind of comforting you that like, it's all right. Like when you've, you know, attempted to read the Bible and all you feel is just anger. <laughs> um, and I want to pray a special prayer for you guys who might be in that place. Um, God, I pray that you give all of us listening to this right now um, this reverence for your word that doesn't come to us easily. I mean, especially for us living in this instant gratification sort of a culture when something does not, you know, grasp our attention right away and entertain us right away the way, you know, reels and TikToks, whatever, you know, impact us. Like, may we have the patience to let your word speak to us when we approach them. May we have the grit and the resilience to stick through certain texts in the Bible that may make us feel stupid because we don't understand them and make us feel discouraged um, because I've been there and it's, you know, obviously not the best feeling. May you give us the courage and the bravery to stick through and clearly reading the Bible as simple of a task it, you know, it is, it is not easy. You know, it's something that is honestly to some of us Christians, like, the most impossible form of discipline to develop. But God, like that is your main way of communicating to us and ultimately transferring your wisdom to our heads and our hearts. So, you know, without necessarily this greed for wisdom so that we can be self-serving, may you, you know, give us the heart to be strong in our trust that as long as we come to the word, we come to the Bible with open hearts that you will speak to us, even if the language itself does not make sense to us and our low comprehension makes us feel insecure about the Bible. Okay. All right. God, thank you. Thank you for the word that you've given us. May we value it and treasure it more and more as we grow in our faith and in our walk towards you. And yes, I pray that for me as well, as well as anyone else who might be listening and anyone else who might need this prayer. All right, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And that is how I'm gonna conclude today's um, passage on the obstinate, let us not be obstinate, let us open that Bible. Let us read, start anywhere. Or like, if you don't know where to start, you can always look up on Google. 
what is the easiest book to read in the Bible? I don't know. You figure it out. Like, it's the age of Google. If you want to do it, like, you will. So make it happen. All right, you guys. I will be back tomorrow for the January 11th um, Devo on the Troublemaker. We all know one. Maybe we've been one. Very excited to share stories already. But I got to go to bed and you got a day to start. So I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye.